Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. And welcome to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. And apologies for the glitch in the switch over there. Uh, today is Monday, May the 22nd, 2023. Our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And Michael, we have a hand up. Hello, Michael. I'm not hearing you. All right, it is, uh, he's saying go for it. I hear him through the wall, but not through the phone. <laughs> so 864, I believe this is Joe. You're on the air. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? How are you? Good, good, Jeannie. How are you? Doing well. Uh, it's good. been a beautiful day, and we got a lot of errands done this morning, and we're ready to rock and roll here. Welcome, sir. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I uh, I wanted to call in today because <clears throat> I just feel very uh, muddy. I feel or think in my relationship with my significant other that it's another one of these points, um, as as you have shared, Michael. That okay, you're you're moving you're moving into confusion. Um, muddiness, confusion, whatever other words you want to use to not be uh, peaceful or happy. And, okay, okay, Joe, then, then <clears throat> what what is going on for you? And, what you know, what are the emotional, let's work our way through the worksheet. You know, we'll say how, you know, you feel insecure, with this relationship, the person wants to control me, um, or, or or am I you know am I right about that? Does she want to control me? Because there, what happens is the muddiness and confusion shows up where there's there's certain aspects of like what are you trying to do here? You know you, you what? And then and then on the other hand, it's just this joyful bliss where you're like, oh, this is great. So. So let, let, let's lay out a few basic principles for starters. One, remember our definition of denial. Whenever my mind tells me or my mouth speaks the words that something outside of me is the cause of what's going on inside of me, I'm in denial. 
when I go into denial, in order to perpetuate my mind's lie, I have to hide from myself the truth of what's going on. And I have to, or my mind, out of thought disorders, creates a perceptual construct. And it tells me this is what's going on. And then, let's move from that. Let's just lay out a few basic ground, ground pieces. So then let's look at the process of a healing crisis. When I hit a new level of vitality, mm-hmm. whatever in my life, at any time in my life, or any unresolved denial in my bloodline ever that's in me, carried around in my genes or in my what we would call my mind, when I hit a new level of vitality, I'm no longer going to be able to hide that from myself. It's going to tend to come to the surface. When it comes to the surface, it's going to look like one of three things. It's going to be physical, mental, and or emotional, most likely all three. So on a physical level, it's going to tend to look like any kind of physical symptom I've ever had in low energy. So it might be, you know, just tiredness or, you know, I just want to lay down and sleep, go unconscious. On a mental level, it looks like any kind of negative thought I've ever had and confusion. On an emotional level, it's any kind of negative feeling I've ever had and depression. So that's what the healing process looks like. Now, if we go back, and you've heard me uh, bring this piece of information forward before. It was actually written somewhere around 1700. So, what, 500, almost 500 years ago? And here's a, a guy named Francois Fenelon, who's mm-hmm. a bishop in the church. And here's what he writes. And, and the first words, when he says, as the light increases, this is his quote from 500 years ago, think of it as when a new level of vitality is reached. So here's what he says. As the light increases, we see ourselves to be worse than we thought. We are amazed at our former blindness as we see issuing forth from the depths of our heart, that is our unconscious, a whole swarm of shameful feelings like filthy reptiles crawling from a hidden cave. We never could have believed that we had harbored such things and we stand aghast as we watch them gradually appear. But while our faults diminish, the light by which we see them waxes brighter and we're filled with horror. Bear in mind... And here he puts in a powerful line, for your comfort, that we only perceive our malady as the cure begins. So what I hear you describing in terms of what's being caused by your relationship isn't being caused by your relationship. I would offer from what you shared about your relationship is that with the two of you connecting as a space of love, each of you is being empowered by that. You know, you remember the story we've told about the vitality meter. It goes from 1 to 10. And if I'm at a level 5 vitality and a level 7 toxin wants to move through me, it can't. My mind is going to shut it down. I'm going to lock it out of awareness because literally if I were to let go of physiological, mental, emotional toxicity that's a level 7 when I've only got a level 5 vitality, then that level 7 toxin release could literally physiologically kill me. So when I join with another in relationship, so I'm at a level five and my partner's at level five, and we really connect, and that means connecting on all levels, emotionally, sexually, 
physically, you know, yep. and, right. and mentally in every level. If if I'm at mm-hmm. a five and my partner's at a five and we really connect, we're now both at a ten. What's going to tend to happen? There's some old hell that's going to have to break loose, some of that old stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he repeats it as, as the light waxes brighter, as the higher levels of vitality come, I'm going to get to clear out layer by layer, level by level. And sadly, this is a point where a lot of relationships run into trouble because one partner or the other or both don't understand that there's a healing process and they relate what's going on inside themselves with their partner rather than making that full about face, you know, leaving behind the one world universal religion of blame and making a total about face into responsibility. Oh, here's some pain. Here's some, well, gee, thank you relationship for vitalizing me on a new level. I got it. I know it's mine. I've been here before. I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. Only this time, instead of projecting all of that content that's moving out of me into my brain's image of you and thinking you're the problem, I go, oh, here's my next piece of work. So now I'm going to turn even deeper inside and do this piece of work that I'm being invited into by this new level of connectedness and vitality. Is that fair? So just be quiet then? I mean, what's, yeah, that's it. But okay, so there you go. There it is. I, so you and I have, so I have an answer been to there. that question. Yeah, why is this happening? Huh? Go ahead. So, so I have an assignment for you. Here's your assignment. We started this radio show a little, about 12 years ago. So the assignment is to go back to the archives to, to radio show one. Yeah. Now, the uh-huh. best way I know to do that is through iHeartRadio because it takes it all the way back. Other um, oh. podcast programs only allow up to 300 units, so it doesn't, you know, we've got 4,000 in there. So go back to day one and start listening and listen to every show for the last 12 years. And then see if you can spot one word that I say in that 12 years that doesn't answer your question, what do I do? Because that's the only question I've answered in the last 12 years. What, forgiveness? All of the above. I mean, that should be echoing in your brain by the number of workshops you've done. All of the above, my friend. Every tool. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to go do the commitment with myself in the mirror. I'm going to do the commitment with my partner. I'm going to do a worksheet. I'm going to do that codependence. I'm going to take that 12-page codependence worksheet, and I'm going to unravel what's going on in my mind that has me projecting into this sweet, wondrous space that I have that there's something wrong with her or that there's something wrong with me. I'm going to unwind all of that and free myself of it. Yeah, forgiveness in all of its forms. It might be a responsibility communication letter that I do. It, it might be, you know, looking at the, the principles of how I create my life. I mean, every tool that we've developed, and I think there are somewhere, you know, at one point a few years ago, we, went, we kind of ferried it out with something like 35 or 36 different separate tools that were related to the forgiveness process, and you use every one of them, all of the above, and clean up the next layer of your mind, which means you'll get to the next level of vitality, and maybe then with that added energy between you, maybe she'll go into the next healing crisis, and you'll get to help remind her, and then she'll get to help remind you, and that's how we climb out of these holes of past unresolved insanity. 
fit? Huh? Makes sense. Does it fit? Make sense? Yeah, it always does. It's, you know, it always makes sense. It's just that uh, there's a breath for you. Um, yeah, there's a breath. It's just this. Hmm. Have I suggested to you before that you watch the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Oh, with, with yeah, sure. We watched it. Yeah, you and I watched it one time. Yeah. You're talking about so, Mr. Rogers and the, and the, yeah, the guy, the reporter, yeah. and what he goes through, yeah. Yeah, and what was the main thing Mr. Rogers went through? Or, pardon me, the reporter. And the story really isn't about Mr. Rogers. It's really about the reporter. It actually, no. he wrote right. that story as a feature article in Esquire magazine. And the bottom line for him is, don't make me look. Well, you know, how many times that? I mean, at one point he's he's in an interview with Mr. Rogers, and and Mr. Rogers is quizzing him about his childhood, and he gets up and walks out. It's like, don't make me look. But how do how how can I? I I think there's a part of me, Michael, that I I, I refuse to to say certain things because I know it's incendiary, and I do mean yeah. flammable. Yeah. And I don't say I it because I know it's going to light her up. Or it like, do you it forgive it? Do you forgive Do it? Do I forgive it? Yeah. Remember the word forgive doesn't mean let off the hook. The, the word forgive means remove. So when you get to the point in your relationship where an incendiary remark comes up, do you apply forgiveness and do you forgive as to that thought to remove that insanity from your mind? I think my fear is so great that I'd rather not because yeah. it will be the end of the relationship because she will say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't well, agree don't, with what you're talking about. Huh? I didn't say to say, I didn't say, say a word to her. I said, dig out a worksheet right, right. and do forgiveness in regard to right. that incendiary thought well, that's yeah. going on in your mind. That's probably right. the thought. If you were to be able to go back in your generations, that thought or variations on the theme of that thought is probably what has dis- destroyed relationship after relationship after relationship, generation after generation after generation in your bloodline. Mm-hmm. And the inherent yep. generational terror of looking at that and dealing with it is pretty intense. And that's why we're right. here doing this great support for reminding you and supporting you to go for it. And right. if you're here right now, I'd lay you down on the table, and I put my hands on your head, and I do some energy field work, and and invite you to breathe. Yep. And you go to the core of it, the root of it, and you'd remove it not just for yourself, but for your generations, and your relationship as a result of it would strengthen on a whole new level. But you remember what the when Yeshua explained this to the disciples, you know, they asked him. Their their question was essentially, what do we do to please the creator? And he answers them. And basically, mm. the long form of his answer would be just, you know, I learned it from him, not, not that I made it up, would be just what I've said in the last 10 minutes. And you remember when he told the disciples, when they asked, what do we do? Half of them turned away, mumbling, too hard a saying, and they left right. and never came back. Right. There you go. It's just not an easy dude to follow this guy, Yeshua, to actually do the work that he recommended. It's not an easy process. 
So once again, it's go within, Joe. Go within. You've got an opportunity for the vitality to access and to move move into the removal of this muddiness. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll notice that was the essence of our conversation the other day uh, on the show was that you're moving from focus on external into the internal world where the real work is. And it's it's not, you know, we don't have much language for it because it's not in common experience. Most people simply right. turn tail and run, destroy their yeah. relationships, but, destroy their lives and run mm-hmm. away. So rather than hide it because, oh, my God, this could destroy the relationship, turn back inside, go for another level mm-hmm. of going inside and do this piece of work. And then when the next level of vitality happens, turn back inside and do that piece of work. And right. the next and the right. next and the next. And I'll just say and that I've been right. doing that for 50 years, and I could detail you know, major issues for me like year after year after year after year after year after year after year after, year after the last 50 years. And I'll offer that in the last two years, I've done more and deeper and more trauma-based work in the last two years than I did in the previous 48. But Good breath. I, I just, I want to, I, I have to, or do I have to? See, that's the thing, Joe. Do I have to, Michael, show her this and say, look, this is no. what I'm working on for myself? Well, now, you see, we have a tool for that. It's called responsibility communication. Right. And right. You know, what most people do when they communicate in a relationship is they do projection communication. And here's how projection communication goes. I have a reality in my mind that you caused, and it's your fault, and you better straighten your ass up. That's projection communication. Right. Then we have right. the tool, there's a set of rules for doing it, for responsibility communication. And that communication looks like I have a reality in my mind, and my God, I realize it's mine. It's been going on in my life forever. I can see where it impacted my bloodline and everything else. And what I'm inviting is, as I communicate, realizing that this is mine, would you be here to hold the space and support me breaking through this craziness and getting rid of it? There are a couple of, if you, if you go to the responsibility communication worksheet section, there are a couple of letters yeah. where people have taken the responsibility communication in and written the whole thing out step by step. And they're powerful examples, and they're there on the worksheet. And if I know Jeannie, she's probably, or pardon me, on the website, she's probably already got the links in the, in the, uh, in the notes for today to those letters. There are at least, there, I think there are well, three of them on the website right now, one with a young man who was communicating with his father about alcohol abuse and his alcoholism and his recovery and what was going on. One of them was about a, uh, a woman who went to a massage therapist and was sexually abused by the massage therapist and holding him accountable. And the third one was a woman who um, had uh, been a, a consultant for a dental office and how at a new level of interaction with this, her mentor in that field, there was trauma that came up and how she communicated it in a way that she could be responsible for it and gather support for doing it, for doing responsibility communication. So it's a matter can of you, can, yeah. turning, turning in on deeper and deeper levels. Go ahead. 
I, where I'm, I'm looking at the website right now. I'm curious where that is. Um, and I have put Jenny? it in the notes for today, but if you go to the website and click on Start Here okay. in the upper uh, right corner, Upper left, I mean, upper left uh, corner, upper left. other right. Your other right. The other right. Yeah, we're used to that one, Jeannie. <laughs> yep. When so Jeannie says turn this way, here. I always know to turn the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and scroll down, and there's a, a link that says other worksheets, commitments, and posters. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Six blocks other down. Uh-huh. And when you click on that, but I've also, like I said, I've put this in today's notes for the radio show. But if you scroll down then, those are in alphabetical order and go down to the R's, Responsibility Communication Rules. And there's the, so that's the worksheet it for it. And right. then there's the okay. three responsibility letters. Okay. Okay, got it here. Responsibility Communication yeah. is asking for healing support. All right, I got to give this a whirl, I think. Next level, next layer. That's awesome. I mean, right on with our conversation the other day that you were ready to start looking within on a deeper level. Mm. So, joining with you and holding the space, this is what it takes. Thank and you. I don't know I if it was you, you yeah. but I wrote down a quote that somebody said the other day when we were talking, uh, that forgiveness mm. is the removal of density. <clears throat> Uh, and so I thought of that when you were saying things felt murky and, and thick and whatever. Yep. Was that you that said forgiveness is the removal of No, density? actually that was, I, Julie, I like that was Julie Matthews in the Still Point Breathing Workshop. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, no, I agree. It is a good one. I, um, yeah, I, I, I want to I bring this forward. See what happens. It's the purpose of human life. You're on track with it. That's good reason. And and I don't know if you've reached the section in the intensive yet. You're doing the codependence intensive, but there's a section there where we go through the responsibility communication, and there are a couple of live examples where we actually do the process. So have you? Yeah, I remember that stage in the intensive. Yeah, I've been through the whole thing, uh, and I can remember. I think it was the okay. Julie Happers. Well, actually, the in, no, it was actually Magda, who you hear calling the show fair Magda. and Chuck, That's right. that did it. Yep. And then uh, also uh, a couple from out in California did a, uh, a responsibility commission. So we did two live ones in that intensive. Mm, yeah, I remember. Okay. All right, that's why I called. I want to want to bring this forward to my surface as well as asking for the healing support from from her. Well, holding the space, you're right on track. And from everything you, you shared with me, you're really creating the kind of safe space where you can have something on that surface, own it, and and have the support for moving yeah. through it. And that's awesome. Yeah. And and thank you. And when you. you come out the other mm-hmm. side, there's going to be a whole new level of everything that's got yeah. a brighter shine and a cleaner um, experience than you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Each major healing crisis you go through, that's what you get on the other side. So, holding space, my friend. Yeah. 
Thank you. Honored. Delighted. Talk to you again. Okay. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. Blessings. Awesome. We don't have another hand up right now, so um, I'm not sure if, since you weren't able to dial in while the other hour was completing, and I'm not sure that it all recorded. I hope it did, but I read the rest of Chapter 2 out of The Untethered Soul, and as a basic, the basic synopsis of what he said was that um, he mentions that your will is stronger than the habit of listening to the inner voice, and that first you have to practice uh, self-observation and, and practice awareness in order and that you have to want to remove the inner roommate that's the first step and then he says talks about your will being stronger than the habit of listening to the inner voice and he says first become conscious of the predicament and then commit yourself to your inner work but he doesn't go on to explain exactly what he says the inner work is as yet he may in right. another right. chapter he says, yep. and commit yourself to your inner work as if your life depended on it, because it does. Yep, that's so, true. I don't know if you want to add to that, while we wait well, on someone to raise a hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, there's another worksheet that we have called the Mind Goal Management Sheet. This is one of the worksheets we present in our Laws of Living Intensive. And where the he, you mentioned there that he uses the word will. And for most people, will is like a very flabby muscle. And so facing, dealing with, dismantling the inner roommate's voice is not something very many people really want to do, or they might like to have it done, but to actually get down and do it is not something most people want to do. And the faculty of will is one that's very much misunderstood in our culture. Will is thought of to a great degree, at least in my experience with people, has, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to force this to happen. I'll push my way through. I'll beat up anybody I need to. I'll make this happen. And that's the ego's cheap copy of will, and that's willpower. But we're not talking about willpower here. We're talking about the subtle, quiet, spiritual faculty of will. And what we go into and what's laid out in that worksheet, and it's some of the worksheets you can go. It's called the Mind Goal Management Sheet that you can access on the website. And we cover that worksheet and how to use it in the DVD or the streaming DVD of um, getting the stress you need. And Will, there are five different things that Will can do. However, most people have not particularly engaged or strengthened those five things or not knowing that there are five have just strengthened one or two of them. And so the will is very imbalanced 
and it's difficult. I would say that uh, probably if we look at the personal code evaluations, one of the one of the scales we have in our personal code evaluation when people do an intensive, there are 10 different scales, and one of them is use of will. And I would say probably 20% of people who do that evaluation have that will faculty in a crisis place. And the culture has never taught us what will is or how to use it. And will is the spiritual faculty with which you manage your mind. And if you don't manage your mind, then your mind, the inner roommate, manages you. And so if you're run by your mind, then things are backward. And that's because we have not been taught nor shown how to strengthen this faculty of will. There are five things that will can do. Will can set a goal. Will can frame a goal. Will can select a goal for immediate attention. Will can maintain a goal. And will can cancel a goal. Now, if nobody ever told you that, then your, your faculty of will is probably pretty floppy. Oh, you may have lots of willpower that you go force yourself to do things, but that's not the same as managing your mind and having a cooperative servant called your mind that carries out your wishes. And so... By framing a goal, by learning how to frame a goal, and again, this we go through this whole thing in the Getting the Stress You Need workshop. Stress, you know, we live in a culture where the number one complaint when people go to the doctor is stress. And in 50 years of developing this work, I've looked at everything to do with stress and Goals. I've looked everywhere I could look, all the goal management experts and such. I've watched people go and do goal-setting workshops, and they learn one part of the faculty of will. They learn to set goals. And they come out of that workshop with their, you know, their goals for today and their goals for tomorrow and their goals for the next day and the next day and the next day and the week and the next week and the next month and the next year and their five-year goal and their 10-year goal and their 20-year goal and their lifetime goal. And now you've got somebody that's so overwhelmed with stress that life is crazy time. Because nobody told them the way you create stress is to set a goal. People talk about stressful situations. That's a fraud. There's no such thing as a stressful situation. There are situations that resonate or activate a lot of goals in us, so we'll have a lot of stress going on in that situation, but it won't be the fault of the situation. It won't be a fault at all. It will just be the, as a result of the activity of holding goals in the mind. If you go back 2,000 years ago, you'll hear this man, Yeshua, saying, sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. And when you read that, you go, what the heck does that mean? Sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. It doesn't make any sense. 
until you realize that there are two definitions for the word evil. One of them would be like the word unripened. Something that is ripe is in its proper place. You know, if you go to the whole creation story where it says, and the creator created this and said that it was good and created that and said that it was good, that word good there in the original texts actually translates in its proper place, in its proper time. So everything was ripe. But if I've got a, uh, you know, let's say I've got a pear, and the pear is as hard as a rock, what word would I use to describe that pear if I were speaking Aramaic? I'd use the word evil. If that pear were soft and mushy and falling apart, ripe, what, would I, what word would I use for that pear? Now, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the pear. It's just not ripe. It's not at a ready stage to be consumed. So it's, it's unripe. That's one translation of the word evil. The other translation of the word evil relates to the word sin. In Aramaic, the word sin is an archery term. When you fire at the target and you miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper yells sin, which simply means you've missed the mark. You've missed the bullseye. And so that's one meaning for the word sin. The other, pardon me, and that's, that relates to the word evil. So if you're on the archery range and you fire at the bullseye and you miss not just the bullseye, but you miss the target altogether, that's evil. So in this statement, sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. The context of that word dictates that the, the word is unripened, which means how many things do you have on your to-do list today? If you've got a to-do list, if you got up this morning and checked off your to-do list and said, these are all the things I'm going to do, and you've got four days' work on your to-do list, then you're going to go through your day so stressed, and there are going to be mistakes made because your faculties will be so overwhelmed and overloaded that you won't be able to keep up with. You won't have the resources necessary to achieve the goals that you are going to achieve or that you want to achieve because you've not understood the directive sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. In other words, don't have any more goals than what you can accomplish in the next waking period. That was the instruction he was giving 2,000 years ago. So he was instructing on stress. You wouldn't know it the way the Greeks translated, but then that's true for just about everything that he said. You wouldn't know what he was really talking about when you think about the Greeks. So this managing the mind requires that one learns to manage their goals. So you can frame a goal. It's one of the things you can do. Now, if you don't ever think about framing goals, you just write down, I'm going to build a house. 
but you don't ever frame it, i.e., you don't ever put it down on paper, you don't ever measure, you don't ever have dimensions, you don't have plans for doing it. You just run over to the hardware store or to the lumber yard and pick up a bunch of lumber. Your house probably isn't going to be very successful. So the framing of your goal is important. And there's several steps in framing a goal. What is it you're going to accomplish? What is the end result? And you frame that goal from the point, or you, pardon me, you, you look at that what from the point of view of it's something that's already completed. You see yourself enjoying the result of that goal. So that's what. How? How am I going to do this? You lay out a plan for doing it. That's part of framing a goal. When? You make a commitment to. This is the time frame. Why am I going to do it? You make a commitment to the why. You, you give your mind proper motivation to understand what it is that you want to accomplish and why. That's how you frame a goal. That's what all these steps are in the worksheet. And then you cancel or actually usually we suggest before you frame your goals for tomorrow, that you cancel all goals from your mind from today or at any other time in your life. So you cancel goals. You know, once a goal is set in a mind, there's only, there are only two ways to get rid of that goal. It either has to be accomplished or canceled. If you don't do either, then the goal remains in the mind, always creating stress and always using resources. When one has all of their resources used up because they don't know how to manage their own minds properly, that's called burnout. Got goal upon goal upon goal upon goal, yesterday's, last week, last month, last year's, tomorrow's, next week, next month, next year's, and the mind is overloaded, it just finally has a breakdown. It quits. It says, yep, I know I should be doing this, and you don't do it. Because the mind is empty of resources comparable to you've got a computer and you turn your computer on and you open your, your, your mapping program and the computer rocks along, does just fine. You open your email and your map and things are okay. You open your email and your map and your CAD program, things are okay. Now you open your word processor. You've got your email, your map, your uh, CAD, and your word processor open and things start to slow down. You open your art program on top of all those being open, what happens? Your computer crashes. That's what happens when the mind's overloaded with stress. It's called burnout. Same thing. It's just all the resources are used up. There's nothing available for daily operation. Sufficient for the day are the incomplete projects thereof. Don't frame anything out that you're not going to accomplish in the next waking period. And don't set the goal before you go to sleep at night. Cancel all the goals you have except the goal for deep, restful, regenerative sleep and perhaps for guidance on your life and go to sleep. And then in the morning, look at the goals you framed the night before. You've asked for guidance on them. Did you get any guidance? Is this still a good and useful goal? Do I want to keep this goal? Do I want to really achieve it today? That's when you set the goal. At the end of the day, you look at it, at the goals you set. Have I achieved what I wanted to? I acknowledged myself when I didn't. I allow myself to build a, to notice what it feels like when I've got an unachieved goal sitting on my plate. 
that I'm, you know, I'm going to go to sleep now and I'm not going to accomplish it. Notice how that feels so that you get a sense of the kind of stress that you create when you set your goals. So five things Will can do. can frame a goal, can set a goal, can cancel a goal, can select a goal for immediate attention. What am I going to do now? And it can maintain a goal. You know, one of the, uh, I was talking to someone this morning about the fact that we're, we now are in this culture that, you know, here we are in this little town in Missouri where, or pardon me, in Missouri, in, in Virginia, where when Jeannie first moved here, they had blue laws. Stores weren't even open on Sunday. Restaurants, nothing was open. And just this past year or so, they've brought into the state not only a casino in the town, but now you can buy all the pot you want. Or, I don't know the interest is, but I think you can even grow it if you want. And the destruction wrought in the world by pot is just beyond belief. If you understand how the mind works, and in particular, you know, the... The active molecule, THC in pot, just happens to be the right-shaped molecule to block the inlet in the brain, in brain cells, for nutrition to enter and block the outlets in the brain cell for waste to be removed. And the damage to the brain leaves one where, you know, if you talk to the pot smoker, you know, after his third joint of the day. And he got up this morning and he had something on his mind that he was going to do that was really important. By three in the afternoon, he's kind of like, well, you know, I'm just going to have a little joint here and, uh, you know, maybe I'll play some music or listen to some music. I don't know. What, what were you going to do? What did you say this morning? You told me you were going to do, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to play some music and smoke a joint not enough processing power in the brain to maintain a goal. And you'll notice what happens with the pot smoker. They don't get much done. They don't have very stable relationships because at the extreme, the mind can't even remember that it had a relationship. A thing called the reticular activating system is damaged. But hey, you know, we now have a guy who was a former... Speaker of the House in a party that called itself the Party of Family Values, who, when he found who was staunch al- or, uh, opponent of pot legalization, now, I think the the criminal stuff that's been done with pot is criminal. There's been a lot of money in it for the the, the legal field, but there's a big difference between criminalization. Or pardon me, between legalization and decriminalization. What happened? This guy's the former Speaker of the House. Found out that he could buy into the pot business and make millions. So he, being this conservative voice, became the voice for pot being legalized in America, and it has been, and he's made millions to the detriment of anyone who smokes it. Now, is there a place medicinally for pot? 
for, for THC? Yes. I mean, geez, if you've got somebody dying of cancer and they can't eat and they get the munchies on pot, you know, smoke pot. I mean, here's someone who's got three months, six months, a year, two years to live. What's it matter? But if you've got a healthy young man or a healthy young woman, especially at the younger ages developing, watch the schizophrenia that creeps into their lives. Watch the craziness that goes on. But they're big bucks in it. And certain politicians with power have decided that they're ready to receive those bucks. Their family values are gone. But that's where the damage, one of the pieces of damage at least happens with pot, is that ability to maintain a goal it disappears. So they're the different things that uh, are engaged in managing the mind, getting the stress you need. Without stress, you're dead. It's a necessity. And you want to design your stresses on purpose. Know what your purpose is, know who you are, and design stresses that support you in achieving your purpose. Changes everything in one's life. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have up in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? We do not have a hand up. Oh, yes, we just had one go up, but I want to give accolades. Bob is in the chat room, and uh, he says, a week ago, my body gave up drinking rum and Coke. No dramas, no stress. I had never had an alcohol-free day for 15 years prior to that. So congratulations, Good for you, sir. Bob. We hold the space for you. That's awesome. Joining and being free from that drug, too. Yeah. Right, Few people recognize how much damage is done by this alcohol. Actually, I was sharing with Jeannie the other day. I, was, I had written an article recently on, on alcohol. And uh, in the Middle East, I forget what the language, one of the Middle Eastern languages, the word alcohol comes from then. It's alcohol. And it, it means in that Middle Eastern language, it means a demon. That's the root of the word alcohol. But go ahead, sweetie. Let's say hello. It's area code 480. You are on the air. I believe it's Cecilia. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome, young lady. How are you? I am so ready, and I've been spending, like, up until midnight a lot of time to to do the intensive work and to listen to the videos. Right. And I awesome. transcribe by word because... I my I want to get it. I don't want to wait 50 years. You know, I want to get it. So, so I, I I and then I wake up in the morning and I read what I wrote and I'm like, okay, okay, that explains this. But but I have a very interesting thing and I and I I feel amazing. I, I you guys are the only ones on. Well, the rest of the listening audience are are my community of love to stand with me and and. And, and support, and as I support you guys, so so go I, for it. Um, but I went. I found. I told you I found an anesthesia person out of the clear blue sky that cleaned all my dog's teeth. She's amazing. She. Uh, right. I want. I, I took a dog again to her uh, the other day because the day before she couldn't do it for some reason, and um. So so I took her down to. I took my dog down to the shop and. She did an amazing job cleaning the rest of his mouth, and 
she started telling me this story about her life and about her mom and her dad and her brother and la, la, la. And I'm, 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 I'm like, why is she telling me my story? I don't want to Because everybody's more. story is the same. That's why we usually say, oh. you know, we're not really too interested in the story. It's what's oh. the bottom line that you need to break through the story. That's where the real key is. Right. What's the tool right. that you need? What's the support you need in using that tool to crack the story? Because virtually everybody's story is the same. The last analysis, okay. the details Thanks. vary a little bit, but we've all been there, done that. Nobody else has opened up like that before in my life, so I was mm. just like... What? You're probably uh, but I, you're probably ready for the next layer. What do you mean? I mean that you've probably run into someone who is there, maybe totally unconsciously, not even realizing what they're doing, but you've called them in, and they've responded the same way as when things went in a negative direction. We energetically call somebody in, and somebody comes in and beats us over the head. When we're ready yeah. to do the next level of opening, we oh, call somebody in, and they open the space for the next piece of work. Oh, that's what I need to look at. That's what I need to do. Yeah, so well, it sounds I, like I, you're I, ready for I, another I, layer. I've done and I've, I mean, I'm going to be doing worksheets the rest of my life or whatever the other two tools are. But, but I mean, to clear it up, but I'm clearing it up more and more and more all the time, and I'm committed to it. Awesome. I, so, so, but, so what's your question? Uh, well, the question is, I think she wants to be a friend, okay? And I think she's great and everything. However, I've got, I've got something going on in me that says, first of all, she smells like nicotine. I can't be around that. Okay, I can't be around. Right. I can't. Okay. Second don't. Of all, huh? Don't. Don't. I won't. I, I won't. I think she's bonded with me in a weird way. I mean, in, in a weird way, she's opened her heart up to now. Now I'm like, uh, I can't. What am I supposed to tell her? Well, you smell like nicotine. Well, I, you you yeah. smoke dope. I I can't be around somebody that smokes dope, and and yeah. you and you're not doing the work I'm doing. Yeah. So send her a link to the Y workshop. Send her send her our uh, uh, page on YouTube and invite her to start. You know, if she's asking questions. You know, offer her some tools, <laughs> and if she's ready to do the work, she'll kick in and do the work. Oh, oh, but I, I'm gonna just lay it out. I, mean, I don't know. I can't even like say that she's, she wants, she's, she's really wanting to connect as a friend. I just, I just, I just feel like that's what's going on. And I would like it if she would like to go on down the road that I'm going, but I, I can't do it if she's not. No, no. Then offer her the tools and see what she does. And otherwise, okay, just you know, be courteous, be kind. Be compassionate yes. and carry on, carry yes. on with your work and your life. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's cool. maybe that's why she came into my life because I can be able to to, to pass it on to her. To, there to you work. go. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Give her the opportunity and hold the space. All right, young lady. Thank you. Hey, nice work. That's awesome. Blessings. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Miss Jeannie, we're down to about nine or eight or nine minutes, so let do we have another hand out there to say hello to? We do not. So body on the switchboard, if you press one, you are first in line. If you're on one of those stations 
where we can't see you in our control panel. Our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. And then if you push 1, that will raise a hand in the control panel, and Jeannie will know that you want to talk to us. So if you've been thinking about talking to us, now's the time to push 1. We've got about 9 minutes for a question or a conversation. How can we support you? What's on your mind? What can we clarify? Where are you at in your process? Do you have a great success to, to share with us? Or do you have a challenge that we can support you through? Push one, let's talk about it. 563-999-3581. Otherwise, Ms. Jeannie, do you have any other thoughts on your mind at this point? I don't. I'm no. Here. We actually started 15 minutes early because Dr. Tim's ended early. Right. Except we didn't get in to start recording till regular time, so we lost. Well, I'm that not sure if it. Re- on, yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it recorded. We'll. Ha- I'll have to check it when we. Have to check here. afterward. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if there's nobody out there with a question in uh, in listener land. We are, we've got a long list of planting and things to do in the garden today. So I'm going to just say thank you all for joining us, and we're going to go work in the garden. So appreciate you, hold you in a blessing, and please create the best year yet of your eternal life. It is an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.